0: I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Um, Jace has been on the road uh, for quite a while. Jace, can you tell us about some of your road travels?
1: Well, I was more in the sky, I guess. But I did, yeah, we did have to drive. I went to Wyoming in the middle of nowhere. And for the first time in, well, I guess ever since I've had a vehicle, Jeff and I were driving around and you couldn't find a gas station. And we started noticing that every truck that we passed, they had a gas tank in the back of their truck. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So you're like, well, why why didn't you just Google map it and find one? Because Google map didn't work in Wyoming. <laughs> That's what you call no
2: no man's land.
1: That's right. Yeah, when you you want to know where to go, you pull over and ask somebody <laughs> <laughs> or
0: find a map. Yeah. Old school.
1: Yeah. So, it was nice. Phil, you would have loved it there. No yeah. cell phones work, none. And you I'd you have felt right at home. Yeah. No, it was nice. But we didn't run out of gas. We figured it out. Because really, I had the times that the Google map would come up, it just basically said there was no gas stations anywhere around. And about the time we were going to run out, we just came up to an intersection, and there was a gas station there. But it, it wasn't on Google map. Do, do the
3: owners of the ranches, do they walk around on the cell phone talking to their, their working hands? or?
1: No, I never saw a cell
3: phone. No, they don't. That's that's what I was asking before I go camp out there.
1: Yeah. No, you would love it, Phil. We actually camped out. Then we went to Montana. So, I mean, I just, I saw, you know, a lot of wildlife and a lot of beauty. And even though it was hot, unseasonably warm up there, I mean, it was, it never got over 90 in Wyoming, but it was the high 80s. But then in Montana. It's a pretty
3: interesting concept when you come a long way and you came from somewhere in England or Scotland, you rented or bought a wagon, got the women and the kids, threw them in the back, and started heading (laughs) west, and you finally pulled up to a, a spot, you looked around, said, okay, well, it's a tough ride. We lost two or three of our family members, but we're here Let's just mark us off, I don't know, not that big, couple of hundred thousand acres. Yeah. Is that the way <laughs> it went down? That's what it seems like.
1: <laughs> I asked that guy in Wyoming, I said, you know. Well, have- I,
3: got, I got in the wrong wagon, Is all I I, I said, you'd have trouble <laughs>
1: loving your neighbor. And he said, why is that? I said, because you don't have any. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're probably,
3: uh, I, get- I, I would think that more of them are God, God-fearing men than their predecessors all the way down here to the woods of Louisiana.
0: Dad, my line about you for years uh, has been that you were born a hundred years later than you should have been. If you if you had been born in eighteen forty six, I think you would have been a probably. I mean, not that you haven't done well, but I'm saying you would have really loved life probably during that era. That see, that seems like your kind of existence. I don't
3: know. I would think so. Did you were there ducks on 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 the water or in the sky above? These states.
1: Oh, yeah. You mean yeah. they were there, weren't they? They were there. I, I told both ranches I was at, I was like, Phil calls these mountain ducks. I, I'll tell you what was crazy. So we, we get to Wyoming. Sun was setting. We're on this porch. You know, we hadn't started filming. We're just, this is the day before. So the owner, who was a really interesting fellow, he, uh, and, and really into, like, habitat, and so the ranch, he just. Bald here. He was like restoring it to its original glory. I mean, he was he was saying that.
3: Good for him.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. He's in. He was into that. So uh, we were sitting there and kind of watching the sunset and just listening to the sounds because you see nothing but just mountains and nature and animals and, and then all of a sudden you hear this sound. Quack, 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 and a mallard hen just come floating down the river because the river's right in front. He said he kills a limited ducks, and this is a two-story lodge right on this little river. He he kills a limited ducks every day on his porch.
3: That's why they <laughs> stay.
1: That's it why- looked like about a thirty-yard shot. It was you know he's up, so if they come down the middle of the river. I said, boy, you 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 got it made here.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: he's so, just next to heaven there. Yeah, there's it's a neat place. Biggest and he didn't need my, no he didn't need any duck calls, did he? He just they just float by. I'm on the ultimate time, but
3: yeah. So the nesting ducks had already their broods are already there, and they're probably flying around little groups up and down. What? Was yeah, we it, like? saw several rivers, ponds, with, big
1: rivers or small rivers. Small rivers. We yeah. we saw several mamas with the little ones behind her we actually saw several rattlesnakes too. I mean the land on he, he he killed two in defense of himself and his dog and we're out there stomping around. And I, when I asked him what this place was after we filmed three days, he said, "Well, yeah, it's called Rattlesnake Ridge." I thought, well, <laughs> well somebody should have told me that, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd have had a little taller boots. <laughs> but you know, I noticed something about these rattlesnakes—they were kind of blonde in color, and uh, they didn't look like ours. I mean, it, I'm sure it's the same brand, but it's just the way the lay of the land—they're camouflage. You would have—I would have never seen one. Unless they moved, you mean they uh, blended in. Oh, you're just you step wrong, you're you're just dead. Because look, by the time you get to a hospital, you're hours away. Well, he he had gotten oh, yeah. snake bit the year before. He told us about it, which was very fright. It was a very frightening story because he was basically checking his pulse. He went out there and got you know some antibiotics for his cows and horses. <laughs> and was just stabbing himself because he thought. I ain't gonna make it anyway, you know, because it's so far away from any kind of medical. Yeah. He was trying anything, but by the time he got to the hospital, he was surprised he was still alive. That the the snake that bit him the, uh, had no venom, so he, and it still you know messed him up a bit, just the bacteria. Yeah. So he caught a break on that. What you did he, it bite him on the arm? Bite him on the hand. He was moving a piece of pipe, and he just said, "I." I, you know, you don't see them because they're—they look just like this kind of sandy ground. Yep. So I tell you that after the, the next day, I was watching where I stepped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jason, did your radar, did your ra- snake radar, was it on full alert after after hearing that story? Well,
1: it was so funny because Jeff just on his own, you know, took some camera people one of the days because he wanted to go climb a on the top of a mountain i was like good luck with that let me know how that works out but that was before he got the intel about all the snakes you know i was like after he heard that he was like i cannot believe i didn't get bit
0: i was like hey yeah because you know you're talking about getting you're talking about their habitat you start crawling up the side of those hills every one of those little holes carve outs for you to climb that that's a a nice place for a snake to be that's exactly right. We
3: take them out, the mouths, not the fish snakes and all that, but uh, we have all four of the poisonous snakes in these United States, you know, rattlesnake, coral snake, big one right there. You know, uh, what else would it be? Copperheads. Copperheads and cottonmouths. Yeah. So that's the four that are all around us all the time. We see them probably... This table here—it would be a pretty good mound of them so far this year. You just nearly get bit. You're working on a beaver dam, and they tend to get up on them beaver dams. So the snakes, the cottonmouths, but you do have to watch them carefully. I mean, I'm watching the ground very carefully when I'm walking around down there. So so yeah, far, but you, got, but you
2: got a snake wrangler with your dog, though, don't you, Phil? He likes to he likes to snap their heads off, right? Yeah. Well. Yeah, the old Bobo that one I
3: have now is, is not the one before him was the snake dog, but this one here, he's a little bit, he's a little bit <laughs> snake yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, he just mm-hmm. not not his way to get get up in him and doesn't know it, you know. He he must be a lot smarter.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's smaller and smarter, I think. I watched that other dog grab the the one before, and uh, that was impressive. Dan would send me videos of. When uh, you because you think you know he would lose against a snake, but the the uh, quickness that he would grab the snake and shake and shake his head. Oh yeah, I mean this it was it was pretty impressive. Yeah, there's an art
0: to well, it. Well, when I was home, I was home last week just to show you how it is in Louisiana. And uh, there's a, a little lady that uh, cleans the the house. She was next door cleaning Nan's house, and she came over, which she rarely comes over when she's cleaning. You know, Lisa and I were home. And she said, would y'all come look because I was went to pick up a piece of trash in the floor and it moved. I think huh. it's a snake. <laughs> and I was like, in the house? And she said, yeah. So I grabbed me a shovel on the way in there. And it was a little old, probably about two foot long. And it was brown and it had some markings on it. So I wasn't sure if it was a baby copperhead or something else. So I took care of the problem. But when I took that thing out, it was still wiggling around, you know, it wasn't all the way dead. And speaking of dogs, that uh, blue healer dad that used to live up the road from you, yep. that thing got a hold of that snake. And you talk about go to work on him. Yep. I mean, you know, it was pretty small, but you could tell it, a, that, that dude was a snake killer. Yep, Yeah.
1: Well, we all survived. Yep. I met a lot of good people. I bumped into a lot of unashamed listeners in the airports and – uh, we met a spectacular family on the way back from. Uh, they used to live in Louisiana, but we got to talking. It, it was so so weird when I sat down, Missy, because Missy uh, and Jessica met us in Montana and uh, filmed an episode with us. You know, they want, of course, when they heard we were going to Montana, they're like, "Hey, we're in." <laughs> Especially,
0: Especially <laughs> they, were, they were, we're, 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 were willing to pass in Louisiana. because right?
1: yeah, in Montana, you know, the cell phones worked and it was you know, it, it was yeah. like some normal uh existence or whatever. But you know, Wyoming, you're we camped out on the side of a river out just in amongst the where the deer and the antelope roam and play. <laughs> but uh we got some world class footage. But we met a lot of interesting people, but I came up to sit with Missy. In uh, Montana, and uh, because I had I had gone to the bathroom, and that's another story I need to tell, but uh, I guess I'll tell it at some point. But well, when does? peeing on the ground become a story worth telling no i was at the airport at this point so missy met this family just check very carefully if i got it behind the bush to make
3: sure cottonmouth wasn't there uh, i don't see the i don't see the big big scramble
2: there all right. Well, let me tell you that story then. Well, first. Now we're
0: going to have to hear that story because, yeah.
2: well, to be fair, it was in a bathroom, right? Is it? We, but well, we are talking about. The I, was talking videos, about I was talking about a bathroom
1: at the airport, Phil. Because you know, look, I was
3: talking about it like a short, stubby, sturdy
1: brush right no, over there. But at this time <laughs> I was back in the civilization. <laughs> yeah. But it was an interesting story when I said, because, look, everybody crowded in there. By the way, I (laughs) feed more outside than I have in a commode. Yeah, I'm familiar. So I walk in because we had just had another flight to get there. And so you know how everybody rushes to the bathroom? And I had met most of the people that were walking in there along the way or in the plane. Well, we went in there and all the stalls, somebody was in them. The ones on the wall and the ones behind the curtains. That's yep. the worst. And once so, you got so. to,
3: once you got to your destination in the middle of Montana with cotton. I mean, well, hang
1: on. I would say that. Dad, yeah, I'm on the get way get back now. That herd of I've <laughs> got to pee now. No, so look, so we're all kind of forming Dad, a Dad's line. Trying
0: to create his own version <laughs> of the story. Dad, uh, yeah, <laughs> get off like that. I'm going to pee we're aside. back to
1: civilization. <laughs> yeah. So I'm waiting. So the first thing that opened up was a guy in a stall with walls. Well, so and I was first man up. And it was a very large man. Not that that has anything to do with this, but I just couldn't figure out. You'll you'll appreciate what's going to happen when I headed, when I took off toward that stall. The smell coming from that little room hit yep. me like like somebody hit me between the eyes. It's
3: one of the reasons I've done most of my bathroom <laughs> techniques. I've done that outside a commode because
0: creatures (laughs) gather up around commode. and and it's worse than snakes. So Zach, um, when they first uh, approached us about doing a podcast, I wasn't that familiar with podcasting. It was kind of new because it's been a few years ago, but it seems like now, I mean, everybody that wants to get a message out has a podcast or is, or is working on getting one out. Is that a, is that a fair statement?
2: Oh yeah, it's, it's it's a, expanding industry for sure. Lots of folks are doing it.
0: I think you and I, we were kind of back in the talk radio days. Now it's podcast. And, uh, one of our good friends, Jim Daly, uh, who's the president of focus on the family, uh, has started a new podcast and, uh, and it's great. It's called refocus with Jim Daly. And, um, what we love about not only Jim, but focus is that they've been really helping marriages and families for over 40 years. And Jim, one thing I love about him so much is he's so practical and real and he'll talk with anybody. I mean, he literally fits into that, that framework of I'll tell anybody about Jesus. So uh, we want you to check out his podcast. Dad and I are about to be on it uh, here pretty soon. So you'll be able to hear us on there as well. Uh, It's called refocus with Jim Daly going to talk about cancel culture politics also just Christ and what he can do in your life you can find him on Spotify Apple anywhere that you listen to podcasts that's Refocus with Jim Daly
3: a huge man (laughs) with a smell like that (laughs) (laughs) so another reason go wait
1: to the great outdoors hold it to them so I backed off (laughs) And I said, y'all go ahead. And I noticed man by man, he'd head toward it. Nope. Turn around. Next man, head toward it. Nope. (laughs) Next man. Well, then we all got to giggling about it. And I was like, y'all, y'all were wondering, you thought you had to go really bad. And you thought, well, I guess old Jace wasn't an emergency. I said, but now you know. And they said, we know. I would rather die of kidney failure than to go in that stall. <laughs>
3: That's another good reason for being out in the in the thick
0: woods. I love Dad's Dad's. It's a typical Dad response. That's why I don't use stalls uh, in airports, boys. Yeah. That's why I don't go. So look, here's what's here's what's uh, fun.
1: Y'all all laugh, but when I got to Missy, who had met this really nice family, we were sitting there, and that guy, same guy, walked by, and I said, Babe, you're not gonna believe this. I said. <laughs> When I went in the bath, I said, "You see that guy right there?" And she said, "I do not want to hear a bathroom story." I was like, "No, this is you're, you're gonna." She's like, "No, you gotta, you I, I don't hear this one. I don't." No, she wouldn't let me tell her. So I said, mm-hmm.
2: "Okay, you're out." So anyway, I met the well. Nice if she family. listened to the podcast, she would hear it. But I don't know if she now. That's why she can't listen yeah. to the
0: podcast. She yeah. doesn't want to listen to the stories. Yeah.
1: But she met this family because I was like, "Oh, babe, you know them?" And and it, the reason I said that because it was a real nice African American family. And the only reason you know cause we're you know in Jesus we're colorblind. blind, but I, I'm bringing that up is because I just thought. I mean, they were like mid conversation, laughing, and I thought Missy must have known them, or, but she said no. She's like. Uh, I kept looking at the at the lady, the mom of the family across from me. She kept smiling at me. And so I thought, well, she must recognize me. Why does she keep smiling? And uh, so she said, I said something. You know, have I met you before? And, and she said, no, I just smile at everybody. But uh, <laughs> she said, it made me think of Miss K. I I mean, because how she's so engaging with everybody. Yeah. And so the more we got to talking to them, of course, then we got into who we were and what we did, and we all following Jesus, and uh, the uncle, you know, uncle, who I can't remember his name, but he started preaching, you know, it, it it just, it was a really neat setting as much as we laughed and sat there waiting on the plane. We were all on the plane together, because they were coming back to Louisiana to visit family from California, oh, wow. but they were from the same area where I was born, you know, Ruston, mm-hmm. Louisiana, so... But I just thought, you know, there's something about that that's just cool, there's the unity you have in Jesus in that, and and just trying to make an impression and being positive because we were both kind of in that mode, you know, where you have the spirit of Jesus. While you're
3: there, Jason. I think that's why when we go through these the Gospels about Jesus, I think it's presenting him as a, his people, would gather around as one yeah. underneath after they begin to see what kind of
1: person he was. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is
3: the way
0: you should act. And.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the root of what we're studying here, about Jesus's character. Yep.
0: Well, when it comes to leadership type things, people tend to rally either behind something and it unifies them or against something and it unifies them. The difference is when it's something positive, that's good for your life. Your attitude tends to be like the people Jace described when it's against something and it's always anger and negativity, you know, which we see a lot of that going on today. It tends to be just very toxic. You know, it's just, people aren't smiling. They're just, they're mad or they're upset and, I don't know. I, I would rather be unified around something much more positive than just the negative.
1: No, that's it's right. People. That's why it was so much fun. I mean, so finally, uh, this the daughter was doing some research, and she's like, "Oh, you you do a Bible study?" You know, we were talking about the podcast, and yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah." She's like, "Well, you need to come do a do an event, you know, out at our church, you know." And so we we were talking about. It. So I said, "Well, do they do they say well when they're when they're not sure about something?" And boy, they started laughing, and they were like, "Oh yeah!" And uh, so I (laughs) told them about that experience you know I had before. I said, "I've really tried to implement that around here in these churches, but they don't want to hear it. You know, they just (laughs) 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 you know they They want to stick
0: to the amen. If you agree, if you don't agree, keep your mouth shut." (laughs) Well. Uh, A summer or two ago, Lisa and I got invited. I'd met this guy uh, named, uh, I can't remember his last name, but the bishop. I just remember the bishop. And uh, he was up in the Memphis area, just south of there, in South Haven, Mississippi. And he was a charismatic preacher, and he and his wife, and they pastored this church. And they had Lisa and I come up and do a uh, marriage-like retreat or refresh at their church, and man, you talk about have the the biggest time because they're, you know, they're very interactive and responsive uh, when we were doing our thing. We're using a marriage talk, you know, people just kind of sit and listen, you know, but man, these folks were into it, but man, you talk about elevate your game, Jase, when you're speaking and people are reacting that much, it's, it was exciting. It's one of the best yeah. ones we've ever done. All right. You want to get back into
1: the league? Let's do it. So I think we left off at the last section in Luke nine the cost of following Jesus, because then we kind of begin this section on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus.
3: Yeah, and you look at it. it just I got a page turned over. I'm looking at Luke chapter eight, and one, two, two pages. But look, in a short period of time, a very short, short uh, time frame, the parable of the sword, You preaching the gospel is like planting seed seeing plants grow, which is like the kingdom. A lamp on a stand, so you can see. No one lights a, a lamp and hides in a jar or puts it under a bed. You put it up where you can see. Jesus' mother and brothers, he talks about his kinfolks, and everybody has kinfolks. Jesus calms the storm. He has the power over storms. Just think about that. And it's just showing you the accolades of the Savior of the world, the healing of a demon possessed man that'd be a nice person to have a relationship with if you had someone that could do that so that there's your Jesus then it's a dead girl and a sick woman what in the world could he do and you read his response to all these things well just I just quoted a couple of pages the heading on it you say it's showing the character of the one who says I have the power in heaven and earth it's all been given to me and he's proven it with story after story after story, getting a human being ready to say, I won't in. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And there it is in Luke, just a couple of pages that I mentioned. You say, boy, who, would, who you would at least think someone would say, who's that? Who is that? Just doing all that? Who's that? And then you get to Jesus, you're like, "Hmm." Yeah, it's a powerful thing. So,
0: dad, before you say anything, Jace, I wanted to make one point before we get to the new text. Something I discovered when I was looking back in our study because we got to this 951, which is a real watershed event. Because you remember, it said he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Yep. And, and Dad's been making the point leading up to this that this was a huge moment, right? Because he's about to shift into his purpose. The biggest moment headache. there's
3: ever been in in, in
0: man's history. <laughs> exactly. So that word resolute was interesting, and I did a little bit of word study on it, and it took me back to Isaiah. So this is a prophetic text about this moment, but I wanted to read it because it really helps you with the mindset of what we're about to talk about about the cost of following Jesus as this is Isaiah 50 and verse five says this, the sovereign Lord has opened my eyes and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. Yep. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. So these are all prophetic texts about what Jesus is going to face. Verse seven, because the Lord, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint? And by the way, that's the same word for resolute that we read about in Luke. I love that phrase. I set my face like flint, for I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. And so it was just, and the whole text is about that, but just that one little phrase there, that's that's, uh, Isaiah 50. Yeah. No, we were
1: were thinking just alike because what I was going to say is, you know, this goes back to what he introduced in the earlier part of chapter 9. So when he made the prediction that the Son of Man, in verse 22, he will be rejected, would suffer, he must be killed, he'll come back to life on the third day. Then he said to them, if anyone would come after me, and a lot of versions put disciple right there, even though it's not the word for disciple, but that's what being a disciple means, would come after Jesus. He must deny himself and take up his cross. Daily and follow me, and you know, and then he goes through that. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Well, part of him resolutely setting out for Jerusalem implies that we resolutely set out for Jesus, that we're going right. to follow yep. in his steps, and there's a death that we're going to participate in and, and a new life. It, it makes you think of that passage in Hebrews, I mean, uh, in uh, Ephesians 4. You remember when he said so we put off the old self and put on the new self, just in a in a practical way. That that's gonna become our journey in this resolute fashion. So I looked yep. up that word out resolutely in a purposeful, determined, and unwavering manner. Yep. So yeah, that's why go. when you get to the last paragraph, based on what he said in 923 and following, and based on him resolutely going off to die, he then it it comes up on what it means to be a disciple. Because when you think about that word, we don't, I don't, do we, do we use that word anymore outside of talking about Jesus in our culture? Not that much. I don't think we do, do we? No. Zach, you have a pulse on the culture. I mean, is that a word we use in anything
2: outside of Christianity? I don't think we use it a lot if we do. I mean, it's it's certainly not in the language of pop culture, you know? Because it's really a
1: strange word. I looked up every kind of uh, dictionary and just the meaning of the word in Greek. And, you know, it's this idea to, you know, learn, but learn by an intimate experience so it's like it's not just that you're following usually we say oh it's a learner or a follower but it's it's the reason we we don't use it i think is because we tend to think when it comes to learning well we go to school for that and you're learning books you read some books and that's a human being
3: saying i'm all in (laughs) i'm
0: all in yeah. yeah, and it, and it's so much deeper than even like an idea of an apprenticeship or an internship. I mean, those are things we talk about, people sort of engaging into the following of other people, but those just don't seem to be near deep enough to catch the, the depth of this idea and this reading.
3: You only find that kind of attitude yeah. inside the kingdom.
1: No, I think you're on to something when you said it's all in. I think you're right because Jesus brought them in his disciples, but then he sent them out, which is part yeah. of really the foundation of the whole Bible. When, when you look at all the Old Testament prophets, they had an encounter Moses at the burning bush or Abraham, and but then they all, you know, they had this intimate. Encounter, and then he sent them all out to do something. Yep. In each case, and that pattern continues here, and that's why when you're getting to where we're at today, nothing's changed on that. Because oh, really, re- really, what I got passionate about in studying this, you know, in the in the nice, cool nights in Wyoming, was that religion today wants to just take Jesus in, put it on a pew a couple times a week and it never goes out. Plus, here's the point. You still don't see
3: it, if that's all you get, if you're not resolutely participating. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here uh, will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. You say, well, I have to see the kingdom of God. So you're looking at the king, and what he's telling you but it's all based on when you see a human being, you're going to find out which side he's on and how resolutely he accepts this or he
1: doesn't. Well, yeah, it really is going to come forth, and you can see it. It's like what you mentioned earlier, and uh, I'm I'm shocked that you mentioned this just because I kind of thought the same thing. It made me kind of rethink how we even use the word gospel or good news today because you mentioned it. In your thoughts while ago and review, in review, and Luke eight in the parable of the sower, you know the first verse is that they went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Well, it, you at this see, point, you can our, see it. At this point, you know today people usually only equate that with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Well, he hadn't even died and been buried and raised. He this was right before he predicted that he was going to do that. So it made me just do this this study on the word, and I I was shocked at what I found. Because I I found that, you know, there's a a gospel uh, according to Caesar Augustus when he was elevated, and all that was, was when he became the emperor or king, well, he had all his people go out and declare that, you know, the good news of Caesar Augustus. Because whether you... Thought that was a good thing or not? It was basically a history-changing future for everyone involved because he's going to be your emperor whether you like it or not. Yeah, and you know? what's
3: the text that says you, you can? Uh, based on what you, you, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from it. It's some well, Act seventeen.
2: The- Act seventeen says he, he's determined the exact times and places that um, we should live. That all men would seek him out and perhaps Simon, though he's not yeah. far from each one of us. Yeah. So there's yeah. that language. I, I think that when you think about the term discipleship in Western Christianity, I think one of the biggest disservices that we've done to that word and that idea is you kind of mentioned this, Chase, but it's like you reduce it to almost like a set of beliefs that you get the right information and then mm-hmm. somehow that right information is going to transform you. But the truth is, is that hasn't been most of our experiences. What transforms you is being in the presence of God and the gospel itself, for example, is not the end of it. It's the means to an end. The end has got being in the presence of God and the gospel, the death, burial and resurrection is how we get into God's presence. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think when you think about like discipleship, what does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, I just think of that, that verse that Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. So it's a, it should be a, a, a practicing member of the way somebody that is, is uh, incubating and their desires are being transformed. Cause if you think about, um, I ask this question all the time at our church that like, uh, it's a simple question and the answer is even simpler and it's obvious. And the question is, why do we do what we do? And I ask me, why do you do what you do? The answer is because you want to do it. But I mean you do what you do because you want to do it. And and the so the, the goal of discipleship should we should move away from just purely and solely a cognitive like experience of me learning the right thing. How do I approach and change what I want? And the way that I change what I want is I have to I have to behold something that's more beautiful. And I think that that beauty is God's presence. It's who he is. It's everything that he represents. And that's the kingdom thing. It's not something you can contain. And we we want to contain it. We want to get it like box it up. Let me contain it. Let me reduce it to just my justification, not realizing that, man, there's just more like there's more that God offers us. It's a true unity and relationship. That's what he says in John 17. I mean, read John 17 mm. when he prays for believers. He prays for oneness, connection, intimacy, let them be one as we are one. You know, sanctify them by the by the truth. Your word is truth. It's all about this ongoing process of, of um, sanctification, really, yeah. becoming like him.
1: And even in this, the word you just mentioned about the way, you know, when I looked up, I looked up the Greek words that are used for disciple, which, you know, learn from a person, by experience, who is the object of knowledge. Is It's not just you're, you're reading his manual. That That's the him coming in, which you said all in, but then he would send yeah. you out. So then you get these phrases, come after me, which is you're going to see this frequently. Anyone who would come after me. And then you're going to see, you know, follow me, like where we're at in Luke 9, 57. When the guy came up, he said, I'll follow you wherever you go. So I looked up that Greek word, well, wouldn't you know it, it's a specific road or way, it, which is to your point, but it's a person that you're following. And so we're setting up him sending out not just the 12, like he did at the first part of chapter 9, but then he sends out the 72 in Luke 10. And so the reason I made a big deal about that good news is because I realized when they were proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, it was not unlike what was happening in this culture that you go announce that the king is here and just to give you an illustration of of how that was you know when i was doing this research you know the famous the most famous story we know of and this will be familiar as i as i tell you about it so in the battle of marathon in 490 bc you had the athenians from greece versus the persians The Persians were favored, so everyone in Greece was in panic mode because there's a war going on, and they're fixed to be invaded. Well, to everyone's surprise, the Greeks won, but back then, you know, they didn't have cell phones, so they had to find somebody to go announce to Athens that we won because yeah you know, everybody's getting their stuff it, it's panic riots in the streets everybody's getting out of there. So they picked this fellow who ran 20 some odd miles so you've probably already made the connection. this is 490 BC. So when you know when you think marathon today and they this this happened the idea of this happened 2500 years ago he runs the how far how many miles was it?
0: 26 miles
1: Yeah 26 miles roughly. And he says, "Rejoice, we've triumphed." And then he fell over dead (laughs) because he had run twenty-six miles. He he ran the marathon. But it made me realize, you know. And they call that he declared the gospel to you know to everyone. But it made me really think in a practical way. Here we have Jesus, and you have this concept of us, you know, being drawn to him, which is none of this has changed. Even though he hadn't died and been buried, he's still drawing people. You read the John twelve passage. You know that he would him being lifted up, he would draw men to himself. And then what does he do? He he sends us back out. This same thing is going on. I mean, yes, he eventually dies, is buried, and resurrected. He pours out the Spirit. His Spirit lives in us. Then we become like him. But it made me realize how much more that we have a responsibility. Responsibility is bad work. We, we, we just have, like the guy running the, the marathon. Yeah, this, this news is so much greater than any yeah. other proclamation, any other good news. You know, in their culture, this is what you did. You had to get the word out that there is a new regime, there's a new king. Well, this is the yeah. king of kings. That's why the apostle Paul
3: nailed it when he said, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he has a list that you can observe, and it starts with sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. That's right there in front of you, and it's obvious. Then he said, but if you want to see the kingdom, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Against such things there is no law. You got that. Well, right after that, he said, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You have two things you can look at two groups of individuals. One of them, the acts of the sinful nature are very obvious with them. And the other one is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't be deceived, verse 7 of Galatians 6. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So you have these two groups. You can spot them. You say, can you tell a difference? You say right off the bat, it's obvious who that group is. Never seen
2: a group like that before. Yeah, I, I to me I think what what we what we miss in in the church a lot is we put a lot of emphasis on what Jesus died for. And he died he died this or what he died to save us from. When the answer is obvious, right? He died to save us from our sins, and that is a hundred percent correct and true and essential, but it's not the full picture of the gospel because there's also the question of what did he die? What did he save us to? He saved us from sin, and and but he saved us to a life in him. You know, uh, I think it's John seventeen three says that eternal life is this: to know the one true God and Jesus Christ His Son, whom He sent. Or John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And, and that eternal life is defined as a relationship of intimacy with the triune God it's a it's a satisfaction of your hunger that we all have and it's this it's a it's a true fulfillment and I think what we do in the church often and I, I've done this too is it's we only talk about what we're saved from so then what happens is it's like okay go get saved from from hell go get saved from sin go get saved from death go get saved from that. And we never talk about hardly ever what we're saved to and who we're saved to. And if you're going to have real transformation, the kind that the Bible promises us, the kind that Jesus promised us, the kind that, that he said would come through the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have to be saved to something as well that's that's more beautiful. So I, I think it's like a, a I don't want to say overemphasis, it's just a lack of emphasis of the other side of, of salvation. Saved from sin, yes, but saved to life in Christ. And what does he say? Life abundantly. There's an abundant life. In you, right. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15. You know? um, I mean, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, I believe, he talks about this abundant life, what we're saved to, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what God has prepared for those who love him. So there is this preparation, and it's not just something that happens 80 years in the future, right? When we die and maybe we get to go to heaven or whatever, at the resurrection, that is the fulfillment of it. But the way Jesus defines it in John 17, 3, is eternal life is not only something that happens in the future. It's something that can happen right now because he defines eternal life as knowing God. Yeah. Well, but that, then he, that can happen right now. Yeah. But then he goes on to say in
1: John 17, you know, to the point I'm trying to make. In, in 23, he says, may they be, in his prayer, he says, may they, you know, talking about the believers, us, if you will, may they be brought to complete unity. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have
2: loved me. So I mean, oh, you you know you know, Jace. You, you ever met? Uh, you, you, we all know people in CrossFit. And no offense to anyone in CrossFit, but I heard this joke one time. I thought it was funny. You know, you know how you know you can tell if somebody does CrossFit or not. Uh if they're in shape. They'll they'll tell you about it, Oh, and well, it's, <laughs> it's, no, that's it's, funny. That's funny. That's good. Yeah. But it's like you get incubated in this culture of CrossFit, and I would do it except it's just way too hard for me. But like I, we got a good friend Gary that does it, and then then when I, every time I get with Gary, you guess what he's talking about? Ninety. I mean, it's CrossFit, right? But it, I think it's the same way with Christ. If I mean, if if you're truly in Him and you're and you're experiencing the fulfillment. It's almost like nobody's got to tell you. Nobody's got to tell Phil. I I've never, I've never, I've never had anybody say, "Man, we need to get down there with your uncle Phil and motivate him to share Jesus." I just no one. I mean, I, I don't think that, that are you any of you guys. We don't. We, no, we don't need motivation. You know, light a yeah. fire in us and go tell somebody about Jesus. I mean, it, it, it's almost a byproduct of experiencing what you're talking about, the oneness that you talked about that Jesus talked about in John 17. Yeah, you you start tasting that. And then guess what happens? You start talking about him. You have to. Well, I think what we do in the religious world is we say, well, we don't want to hurt
1: anybody's feelings or we don't want, you know, because it's really really something people in the religious world argue about, whether you should go out and declare Jesus, you know, in public. And the fact that you're having that discussion is what I think he's fixed to say here in Luke 9 because when you put this all in perspective— Because people think this seems harsh. You know, very few preachers are preaching on the cost of following Jesus when the guy said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Crickets. You're not hearing this sermon being preached. And so, Al, I wrote this for you. Next time, I I got you some cheesiness here, a three-point sermon. (laughs) if I can find the the three points here. Uh, I wrote this down. So the first point is there. I have no home here because when you just look at the nuts and bolts of what he just said, the guy said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, I don't have a place to sleep. So what's what's he inferring? I don't have a house at this time to go in and sleep. So there's no homes here. That's number one. So the second thing is he said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So there's no funerals here. So we got no home here. Second day, he's like, No, no funeral. We're not we're not going to the funeral. So then, another said, "I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family." Jesus replied, "No one he puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. There's no goodbyes here or there. There's no funerals here or there, and the the no home. It, you know, you get to that verse that our citizenship is in heaven. And the reason I did that in those little cheesy points." is because what he was trying to get him to see is this same thing that Al read, which is when he resolutely set out to Jerusalem, that was going to imply that we were resolutely going to go down the same path. We're going to die. We're going to bury and be raised, not because we did it, because he did it. Then you get into those cheesy lines, which are true. This is based on, You know, what we receive from him and not what we achieve, which goes back to why they didn't get it in the previous chapter when they ran up on the village that didn't believe. And they said, well, can we throw some some of those Elijah fireballs on them?
2: They were (laughs) missing
1: the point of this kingdom.
2: This was not going to be what what yeah. is, is, think about this he he told the same thing basically to Peter like you're going to you're going to be stretched out and you're going to go where you do not want to go I mean they're talking about encouraging right hey yeah you're going to come with me let me tell you what's going to happen you're going to go where you don't want to go they're going to stretch you out and kill you which is what happened to Jesus too I mean Jesus I, I mean he was he was crucified on a cross and when he's standing before Pontius Pilate or do you remember what he told him He basically gave the argument for what he was talking about when he said in John 18, uh, 36, he says, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. I mean, this is like this whole thing that this eschatological, like the, Uh, just climax that's happening here at the cross. But I mean, this is all part of the march up to this. It's this idea that it's not like what I'm a part of here is something that's not even of this world. It's in this world. You know, the kingdom is in the world, but the kingdom is not of the world. It didn't originate here. And it certainly will not end here.
1: Yeah. And that's what is his point in these three situations. Once you have this intimate experience in Jesus, well, you, these people, you should be telling them, y'all need to come go with me because I'm headed toward Jesus. It doesn't seem that harsh once you prioritize the declaration that the king of heaven is here on, on earth. Yep. And I really think that's his point. It, it only seems harsh when you take it out of the context of what's happening with Jesus predicting his death, burial, and resurrection them declaring this, the evil spirits, you're, you're able to cast them out. He gave them that power. You can heal diseases. So you're bringing all people together. You're fixing all the ailments. And so then you get to the next chapter because you would think they get this by now. And then they have that power, and they start bragging to Jesus, hey, even the demons submit to us. And what do he do? He rebuked them. He He's like, don't be, snap. because it was to us. And so you can do the same thing in in churches. If it's about you and your ministry and, uh, you know, your performance, then you get that attitude of when someone doesn't agree with you, well, what do you want to do to them? You want to fireball them. When they do submit to you, you want to, you know, have a dance because you're like, look how powerful I am. So that's why it's only in light of what he did in Luke 9. I must die. I must be raised. You come to me, and then I'll send you back out. Let yeah, us basically... not become
3: weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, opportunity, and we have a lot of them coming through life as we live here as a member of the King, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You're like, we, you, you come together under one head and you have the same heart.
1: Yeah, I love that phrase, the
0: family of believers.
3: Family of yeah. believers.
0: Well, that's uh, man, there's so much more here. We're out of time uh, Ooh, for a regular fast. podcast. It, it went quick. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this in overtime. If you want to follow us over, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed. Because I got three points of my own, jays for that section. And so I'll I'll share my sermon title uh, titles with you in our overtime. So we we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast.